0: Okay, I've got a question. What does a peppermint loving boss, Sands of the Hourglass, and the tallest of fireplaces have in common?
1: Well, somehow, believe it or not, they are all key plot points in 2023's A Biltmore Christmas. We've got a lot to talk about, Jennifer.
0: We do, Josh more and wrap it all on this episode of Do You Watch What I Watch? <laughs> Today we are traveling back to 1947 to the Biltmore Estate. Josh, have you ever been to the Biltmore?
1: I have been to the Biltmore. So this was a fun one to watch because it is beautiful and I was hoping we would get to see all of it. How about you?
0: We went when I was pregnant with our son, so six years ago, and it was decorated for Christmas. And I was very nauseous the entire time and just hoping and praying I would not yak all over some historic flooring. And I I made it through.
1: (laughs) Congratulations.
0: um, Thank you. But in the pictures we took, I was very puny looking in the photos. Happy to be there, but just a little off kilter. But it is, it was magnificent. When we went, there were costumes on display from the Titanic movie. Mm -hmm. So, in that same gallery that we'll mention later.
1: I love that. Love that. Hey, you know what else is magnificent? A five-star review, and we are just (laughs) gearing up into the holiday season, and we would be so honored if you would take a few seconds and write us a five-star review. Go ahead and like and subscribe as well. Hey, find us on YouTube, too, because we're posting videos there where you can watch your podcast and enjoy our podcast in a different kind of way. Find links to everything you need on our website at doyouwatchwhatiwatch.com.
0: King of the segues, Josh. Brilliant. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get started. Here's the plot summary for A Built More Christmas, which we have been hearing about since almost a year ago. I mean, it was like, I feel like right after Countdown to Christmas ended last year, if not a little bit before, they started talking about this movie.
1: So much
0: anticipated, that's right. So it follows Lucy as she's hired to write the script for a remake of a holiday movie. She joins a tour of the grounds, and when she knocks an hourglass over... She finds herself transported back in time to 1946. Oh, I thought it was 1947.
1: My bad. Eh, you know, doesn't really matter.
0: Tomato, tomato. The exactly.
1: late 40s. Here the late we go. 40s.
0: So the stakes could not have been higher for this movie. The buildup was fierce. And it almost made me, well, it did. It made me nervous to watch this movie because I thought, if I don't like it, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> so let's see. We open on a black and white movie trailer for the movie His Merry Wife, was which was filmed at the Biltmore Estate. Jack Houston, played by Christopher Palaha, Hallmark, Hunk and King. He's playing the Angel who is sent to get a man and woman to fall back in love at Christmas time. Except the woman is really the angel, Christopher Palaha, Jack Houston's former wife Rebecca. Yowza. Lots going on here. And then it cuts to modern day at the Balaba Studios <laughs> and Lucy, played by Bethany Joy Lenz, one of my favorites, Hallmark Queen. And um, so she's playing Lucy, and Lucy is nervous to meet the theater exec. She is pitching a reimagined version of his Merry Wife with a not so merry ending. She says it's real life, and the big boss wants nothing to do with it. He tells her to go to Asheville tomorrow, which is a few days before Christmas, to experience the magic of the Biltmore estate. So, yes, it is magical, but a little last minute to traipse off to North Carolina, yeah?
1: I totally agree. But, you know, she's a big, hot shot Hollywood writer, and this is a big, hot shot production, and so she's got to do what she's got to do. So she's off.
0: So So then it flashes to another uh, interlude from the original movie, His Merry Wife, and Jack's character, the angel, was selfish and broke the couple up so he wouldn't get his wings. But then he decides to have a change of heart. And he loves his wife so much so he fixes the mess. So this was a little hard for me to follow in the beginning. I will say, okay, with all this, I watched the movie originally with my mom. And I did not take notes. I just wanted to experience it as an evergreen, hallmarky moment. And then I watched it again yesterday to take the notes by myself. So there were some things that I missed the first time or didn't make sense the first time that were brilliant on the rewatch the way they wove it all together. So I'll talk more about that later. But, um, So Lucy and her sister are gabbing and watching the movie, his merry wife on TV, and they're decorating their balsam hill tree with extreme close ups of balsam hill ornaments as you do. And they debate whether or not the movie is sappy, and they agree to see each other when she gets back in town, since she'll miss Christmas. She flies to Asheville. Now, presumably she's coming from L.A., right?
1: Right. Yes.
0: To North Carolina. Um, And she mentions jet lag an awful lot. (laughs) Does that work? Does that, if you're in L.A. and you fly to North Carolina, isn't it like later in North Carolina time?
1: Yeah, it is. I think the jet lag thing was more of an excuse for her because she gets to the Biltmore and the guy, and I might be stealing your thunder here, but the guy wants to give her a tour and she just... She's not there for all of that. She's still a little hesitant when she shows up
0: first. Uh, So so it's
1: just a little bit, it's a joke. I think it was a little bit more of an excuse.
0: Okay, because it did not make sense. No, Okay, (laughs) I can buy that. So yes, we see swooping shots of the Biltmore estate. Lucy's greeted by Winston, and he's going to show her to the room, invites her on the tour, and she does rally inevitably and go on the tour, and we meet an overzealous fan on the tour named Margaret, who takes photos of everything and then is scolded for using flash photography. And Margaret is like, I loved this character. She's from the South, you can tell, and this is her big dream. She always watched his merry wife with her mom growing up, and she's really been wanting to come and see it all, and she is a big, big fan, and I'm a big fan of Margaret. What did you think about Margaret, Josh?
1: She is sweet as sweet tea, I gotta tell you. My goodness. The accent, the enthusiasm. It's like they plucked this character out of, I don't know, Lebanon, Tennessee or something like that and just plopped her down in Asheville. She's believable. And I liked how the friendship with her and Lucy developed over the course of the movie. At first, they were sort of oil and water. And I think that's what they wanted you to experience because Lucy's like, girl, you're too much.
0: But yeah, Margaret came on a little strong. She came on a
1: Yes, long. yes. <laughs> as, you'll, as you'll hear, it sort of develops as we go.
0: Yes, I love this character. So Winston's giving us tidbits about the movie and its original um, cast of characters. And he says Claude, who was the leading man, was just as nice in person as his character was, which I thought was really funny because, again, on rewatch, Claude sucks <laughs> we learn Claude is not he's kind of a turd and so it's funny to see like these things and it makes me wonder how much we do that nowadays like we're like oh I hear they're so great in person and then we never really know it's all just hearsay so <laughs> I thought that was funny but then they pan to Jack Houston slash Christopher Ballaha's character and he um his little bit on the because it's all the costumes on display and talks about the character so his little sign says that he died the following Christmas after the movie premiered Christmas Eve, 1948. Dun dun dun. Okay. Winston shows Lucy, the library gives her an exclusive sneak peek and the hourglass is sitting on the table and it was cracked during filming and Winston thought she would want to see it before it goes to the Smithsonian. Now I don't have a very fancy hourglass, but I do have a sand timer that was given to my son for, uh, from a dentist and this is how long you're supposed to brush your teeth evidently so <laughs> uh-huh. see it. I am going to use this prop as we flip the hourglass back and forth because the hourglass is a leading character in the movie really it has personality mm-hmm. it has a plot it has motives so
1: it has implications our... there's an oopsie doodle or two involving the hourglass I mean stay tuned
0: it's basically the third leading character so <laughs> It felt wrong to not have a prop. Okay, so Mr. Balaban wants to see the new rewi- rewrite by January 1st, as he tells Lucy on the phone. Okay, do you not have any Christmas spirit, man? That's like the week between Christmas and New Year's, the world shuts down, basically. Nobody We're does doing anything. nothing.
1: Nothing's happening. Exactly.
0: You eat... You hope that your children will play with the toys that you've, you know, given them and that Santa has brought them. And inevitably they'll say they're bored halfway through the week and then you got to find something else to do. That's the week between Christmas and New Year's. Not writing or rewriting a movie because you didn't like the ending that Lucy put together.
1: Precisely.
0: Glad tidings. So she's on the phone and her back is um, towards the hourglass. So here, I'll put it back here. And she's on the phone, yada, yada, yada. And then she hears a clink and turns around, and the hourglass is on its side. Said nobody else was in the room. Weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So she every time she touches this hourglass, it's so dramatic. So she t- takes it and then wha- hoists it back upright. Puts it back on the fancy table in the library. And then her call with her boss is disconnected and foreboding music plays. She walks out of the library. Everyone is dressed in 1940s garb, and she meets Jack Houston. What?
1: Mind-blowing.
0: Mind-blown. Lucy is freaked out, and um, she blames the infamous jet lag. So she closes her her eyes, and... uh, Okay, good. Winston's back at her side, and she thinks she's having a fit because the costume's um and the set had turned back into the tour so tour fan margaret walks by and she talks about the dress-up portion on the brochure at the biltmore so she's like okay must have just been like something that the biltmore was doing weird i need to go to bed but instead she goes to the tree lighting ceremony with margaret and like josh mentioned they're kind of like not frenemies but they're margaret's more into this friendship than lucy is and that's inevitable And Margaret, when she finds out that Lucy writes stories, is like, have you ever met Sandra Bullock? (laughs) She's like, "Uh, no, I have not. So Margaret's chatty, this has been her dream forever. Lucy goes back to the library and tries to recreate what happened earlier. She turns over the hourglass, (laughs) goes through the doors that are at least 12 feet tall, beautiful doors, and is back in the 40s when she gets stopped by security they mistake her for Sandra or Sandra the candy cane girl extra and they get her dressed in a more appropriate garb and she's boom she's on set of his merry wife she's um like holding a candy cane it was like one of those cigarette girls back in the day except she was holding candy canes looked great looked like a million bucks They film a Cyrano de Bergerac type scene where the main couple is trying to get back together and Jack Houston is like telling him how to charm her. And but he kind of like sabotages it, I guess, because he's like, Tell her you'll get her roses. And he the guy does, but then the wife is like, I'm allergic to roses. Whoops. And I didn't catch that the first time I watched it either, but he was being sneaky snake
1: Uh -uh, because he would have known that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. So I really liked that bit. Okay so she's an extra and then Jack Houston comes over and sashays over to our Lucy and tries to get her name and they kind of banter a little bit but then she's like I have to go she takes off running and um, scampers back to the library as the last sand falls and then poof she's back in modern day and Margaret is in the library jaw on the floor because she has just seen Lucy reappear in the middle of the library she's in there taking photos because she wears a camera around her neck like the entire movie yeah. <laughs> the hour last in her camera are actually the extras in the movie next <laughs> characters so she's still wearing her costume and is like mm, not sure what's going on jack had told her that there was a different ending that was being filmed so i guess the canon of the movie was originally supposed to be a sadder ending a more somber ending and during production, they changed it to the Happy Peppa ending that we know today. So that sends Lucy on a mission to figure out why did the ending change? I need to go back. Okay. Winston, the guy at the hotel, lets Lucy rummage around in the props department, looking for clues, I guess. Margaret follows her in to say, you're a ghost. <laughs> She's like, I'm literally holding something. Like, I'm, I'm not a ghost. I'm like here in person. So finally, Lucy's like, okay, look, Margaret, sit down. I travel back in time and it was really weird. Quote unquote. (laughs) She steals an outfit and gets ready to go back to see why they changed the original ending. And Margaret's there in the library to back her up. So she's like, I'll just wait here until you get back. Because they figured out, okay, if you turn over the hourglass, you'll get a full hour to be back in the 40s. Whereas the beginning, it was just like whatever time was left on the hourglass. Yeah. So Lucy looks amazing. And she flips the hourglass, and back she goes to the 40s. What do you think so far about this movie, Josh?
1: It was a little difficult. I'm glad you watched it twice. I need to go back and watch it again, because it was a little tricky to follow at the beginning, at the onset, with the plot of the movie and then the time travel thing. But I was hooked on this time travel storytelling device. I thought they did a really nice job of making it feel magical, but not entirely cheesy. Like, it it worked for me in a way that I thought was really kind of
0: nice. Yes. So back in the 40s, Jack Houston poses the, now that we know the real ending to Mr. West, who's on set, and he's like, yeah, no, we're not going to change it, sorry. Jack sees Lucy, and he goes after her, and they banter, and she tells him she's from the studio, and that she's kind of getting her eyes set on the leading male and female, because she's heard there's, like, a scuffle on set that they're not really getting along, and that's why she's there. Which I thought was a pretty creative way of her to kind of weasel her way in there. mm mm-hmm. um, So she uses a Biltmore tour tidbit to convince Jack Houston that she's the real deal, something she learned from Winston earlier. And then the main guy, eh, Callahan or whatever the, like, leading man in the movie is, I can't remember his name now, approaches Lucy, and he's encouraging her hey, tell the studio to swap out the leading lady because she's bad luck in movies. And he gives her a list of... Claude, thank you, not Callian. And gives her a list of who should replace her. And Lucy's like, okay, I'll keep that in mind and puts it in her pocket. Lucy goes to the library and flips the hourglass to go back to present day. But Jack startles her because he's always behind her. He's always chasing her. He's very infatuated with Lucy and wants to know more. And she's Drops the hourglass, and mine's plastic, but the real one cracks big time, and I audibly gasped when that happened.
1: This is like a big. (laughs) This is like a big deal. Oopsie doodle. Like rut row. What are we gonna do?
0: Yeah. So. Margaret in present day is watching the hourglass and she knows it's about been an hour since Lucy's been gone. And she's like, when is happening? And the hourglass is like foggy and like swirly a little bit. It was some kind of little special effects thing. And she does this. She, <laughs> she just taps, taps the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> Except hers didn't have a Bucky sticker on it. Like, no, it t- didn't.
1: <laughs> 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 just keeping it classy uh, here. Not like the building.
0: Yeah. Love the buckies. <laughs> Love the Bucky's. Love Bucky's. Okay, so we get the picture that, so Lucy's trapped in the 40s for the time being? hmm Bad news. Okay, so Lucy gets to the prop guy, and she's like, you've got to fix this. I've got to get back home. Well, she doesn't tell him that part, but she's like, please fix it. It's important in the movie. So he takes it to go fix it, but then we learn he won't be back until the Christmas Eve party, so she's just kind of trapped, and she startles, and she turns around and smacks into a set piece and maybe has a concussion <laughs> <laughs> but when she comes to jack and the other two actors are like kind of helping her get back on her feet jack then stalks lucy in a beautiful restaurant on site after she's lies and says i'm waiting on someone turns out she wasn't so they banter some more and it is top notch dialogue between the two of them what did you think of their connection and chemistry
1: i thought it was really believable i mean he Christopher did a great job of sort of playing this 1940s actor with that same kind of bravado that I think we came to expect from a lot of those big Hollywood stars back in that day. And I think she did a great job of sort of playing this kind of literal fish out of water kind of thing, but Mm -hmm. in a way where she was very much still intrigued by it all. And I thought it just really worked. What about you? Uh,
0: Agreed. I mean, they were just, both of them were charming pants off. I mean, just so much charm, effortless dialogue and charisma, top-notch. So Lucy tells, what was his name? Jack. (laughs) I'm not good with names. Lucy tells Jack that if she wasn't there, she'd be home caroling with her sister, which seems like a throwaway line, but it does come back later. They go get hot chocolate and learn more about one another, and then they go to a greenhouse, question mark, and look at poinsettias. And then she asks, would you give up what you wanted for someone else's happiness? And he says, I hope so. One day, if I love someone enough, to find out. We'll see. (laughs) Then they do this little bit where he's like circling her, right? He's trying to guess more about her. And he's like, I bet you are a morning person. She's like, night owl. He's like, I bet you like dogs. And she goes, meow, meow. (laughs) Like, it was just very (laughs) quippy. Back and forth. He's getting it all wrong. And then he does a Jimmy Stewart impression for some reason. And then he gets one thing right that what they both uh she likes to show up late and leave earlier parties, I think it was. And she goes to high five him and he draws back as though <laughs> he she was gonna punch him in the face because he's not familiar with the high five. And I thought that was a little funny. It was almost like elf, like fish out of water, like the movie elf when he's in New York, except this is different time dimensions and not North Pole versus New York City. Yeah. Okay, so then Bethany Joy Lynn's at this point does this little skip thing to kind of like jollily go off screen to their next little scene. And it just is precious. She's precious. Okay, back in present day, Margaret is freaked out because uh, Lucy's missing. (laughs) And how do you explain that? Back in time, Jack insists on walking Lucy to her room. And lo and behold, they have the same room number in both time dimensions. Lucy talks to Mr. West at the bar about how she liked the original ending and the more somber ending. And he says his wife was tired of sharing him with his job. So they're kind of separated right now. Then the leading lady sees them talking. And then Lucy had brought out that list that was his face had given her about the other leading ladies. And she sees the list. And is like, ah, I'm getting replaced. She assumes she's getting the boot and takes off to the train station. It's Christmas Eve. Lucy says, why couldn't the hourglass be a DeLorean? Which I thought was really funny. And she stumbles across Jack jiving on a piano in front of the three largest, most beautiful fireplaces I've ever seen in my life. And they sing a duet in front of the world's fireplaces. And it makes me so happy. And they almost kiss. So close. And he sets this up because she had said, well, I would be caroling if I was home. So he's like, hey, we
1: can kind of carol right here. Magic. Right. Heartwarming, literally and figuratively. It was a dynamic scene. It was the jazziest, cutest version of Jingle Bells you've ever heard. And the two of them together just looked like perfection.
0: And the way they did it, I mean, I know it was rehearsed but it, and it was perfect, but it also seemed like they were just like, like razzing and singing on the fly. Like sh- the way she would go up high and he's like, beautiful. Like they were just kind of riffing with one another and it seemed so organic and natural, and I really, really love this scene. So we get a commercial break, and they do some trivia, and Forrest Gump was shot there. And I was like, what? And I guess it was one of the scenes that he was running across America. It was shot on property for a little bit. So, huh.
1: who knew? Now you know.
0: Fun fact, the more you know. Okay, we're back, and turns out, like I said, the leading lady quit. Word travels around, said, oh, no, what are we going to do? And Lucy's like, this is all my fault, because I, I've messed up the space-time continuum give me a day give me it to the end of the day i will find her so jack goes with her and they find her at the train station they give her a pep talk and she tells jack your friend talks like a fortune cookie because lucy keeps saying like this is gonna be great this is only the beginning for you you're gonna be such a great actress and she's like how do you know that so lucy kind of showed her cards a little bit there but they finally convince her to come back to set Jack asks Lucy if she'll go to the Christmas Eve party with him. And of course, she says yes. They go. And she is in this beautiful dress that it like drapes off of her shoulders. They all look like a million bucks. Mr. West's wife shows up and they're kind of reconciled their relationship. Yay. And then they he takes her, Jack takes Lucy to like this private area to dance. And it is a steamy scene. I mean, not really. Like they don't even kiss in the beginning, but just the the connection and the closeness, you could cut the tension with a knife.
1: I know it was. I wrote in my notes, it is like romance on top of romance on top of romance. It was giving the people exactly what they came for when they flip this one on for sure.
0: That's right. So they do kiss. He apologizes for not getting her a gift, so he gives her his watch. He asks, what are your New Year's Eve plans? And I can't see a future without you in it. And then it's in this moment you can tell all over her face. She freaks out because she's like, what have I done? This isn't real. And she says, I wasn't expecting you. And then she runs off. She comes across a boy named Michael who's trying to get a peppermint. And his grandfather is showing up on set soon, which we learned was her current day boss, the peppermint-obsessed boss. Love that.
1: Love that bit. So good.
0: Yeah, So, the boss is traipsing all around set. He's mad because the movie's over budget. It's over on time. My, my, my. Where's everybody at? And then they learn there's this random girl on set who he doesn't know, Lucy. And it's a big caper to find her. So, there's lots of running. And then, at this point, they splice modern day with the past. So, in modern day, Margaret is trying to stall Winston from packing up the real hourglass to get sent to the Smithsonian. So she, like, faces an injury and does all this other stuff. And then in back in the day, Jack is trying to help Lucy escape, but he's also very confused about what's happening. So Lucy then tells Jack the truth in the library, which would be a hard pill to swallow. Hey, I'm from the future. <laughs> is that cool?
1: <laughs> Just so you know.
0: <laughs> I think I would have reacted... In a different way than he does. He's very understanding. He's like, okay, I'll buy you time. And as she, he's like, there's a back uh, door up the stairs. So she runs up and she turns around and says, by the way, Christmas Eve, 1948, because she's going to warn him that he's going to die then. But the bad guys or the producers come in. She's like, gotta go. Bolts up the steps. She goes out to the prop guy's truck because he has fixed the hourglass, which seems very hard to do, to glue a glass hourglass back together. It's very curvy and,
1: Especially 1947, yeah. Not easy.
0: Probably didn't have Gorilla Glue back then. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But the prop got only the best on this production, so he fixed it. She runs out to the truck and encounters the leading guy, and he's, like, trying to stop her. He's like, ah, you're a liar. Well, the leading girl pummels him with snowballs to let Lucy keep running, which was kind of like— Okay, Ava is the leading lady. She's, like, on Lucy's side. They have a little friendship. So Lucy gets the hourglass. Here it is. And Jack is running towards her, and she looks at him as though, like, I could just stay here forever. But she closes her eyes, and she flips the hourglass and goes back to present day. And Jack is staring at an empty truck because, poof, she's vanished. And I am very sad. I'm very torn. (laughs) I know what she should have done. Back in present day, Lucy's wandering the halls of the Biltmore, and she's looking like a hot mess, because girl's been through a lot. If she thought she had jet lag before, <laughs> this
1: is literal for jet, jet lag, lag
0: for like 70-something <laughs> years, yeah.
1: Time travel, yeah.
0: So um, she sees Margaret. Margaret's like, oh, thank goodness. Thank heavens you're back. And they run to see the sign by the costume to see if Jack actually died, and it still says that he dies christmas eve 1948 and she is just grief-stricken she's like i tried to warn him well margaret's like you want to go see the screening of his merry wife in the theater and lucy's like i think i'm just gonna go to bed thanks so margaret's there watching the movie and what do you know lucy is on the film as the background actress with the candy cane bit things are getting weird Mm. So turns out Mr. West did pick Jack's ending, as we know now, um, the happier ending. And Judy Garland's Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas plays. And it's like the saddest version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas ever. It's so beautiful, so sweet. And then we see clips of Jack and Lucy going to their rooms in each timeline. Cut. Then it's one year later. I'm going long, sorry. One year later. Wes Brown and Rachel Brosnahan are filming an ending scene of Lucy's movie readaptation, and it's a happy ending. Lucy has Jack's watch on, and Margaret's on set taking photos like she does. Lucy gives her a hug, and then Winston gives her a key to the library. He, the hourglass is back from the Smithsonian, and he's like, I thought you might want to see it one last time, given your history with it. And like, there's this little wink. She doesn't flip the hourglass, though. She just says goodbye to Jack. And the hourglass starts to do that weird frozen Elsa kind of thing again. She leaves the Biltmore, walks out the front door. Snow's falling. She turns around. Who's standing there? Jack (laughs) freaking Houston is in present day standing on set. Chills, chills, chills. He said, I tried a thousand times to get the hourglass to bring him here, and it never worked. But he remembered what she said about December 24th, 1948. So she's like, I thought you died, though. I thought I couldn't save you. Turns out, somehow, with Christmas magic, he and his people concocted a lie that he died to cover up the fact that he was going to come back to present day to be with her. It was a cover story. And he says, I love you. They kiss Winston puts the hourglass in its wooden case forever and, like, some weird kind of music plays. And he's like, "Mm -hmm." like, (laughs) as though this is part of his plan the whole time. I don't know.
1: Secrets, yeah. Was Winston
0: a ghost? I'm confused about Winston. We'll talk about it more in a minute. And the end.
1: Okay, it's time for our gold or coal segment. You know how it works. We each get to give three gifts. If there's more gold on this one, we're going to call it time well spent. More coal. It's Let the Past Be the Past. And if it's just a tie, three to three, we're going to call it a Merry Christmas. Jennifer, you're up first. All right. First,
0: I got to give some gold for Christopher Blaha and Bethany Joy Lenz. Their chemistry, they made this... I mean, this storyline is bonkers. Like You have to suspend all belief of reality, which I can do. As long as we lean into it, I'm okay with that. And But still, with all of that, they made it believable. They made all of this... Like I was rooting for them and I shouldn't be because they are in two different timelines of life and really didn't like I don't really know why he said I love you. I feel like it wasn't that deep. I guess if you are going to give up your whole life to travel to somebody, you must be in love. So I wish them the best, but I thought they
1: were great, great actors in this movie. What about you? Same for me. Gold for me out of the gate as well. I'm not normally a fan of magic movies but this one was just so well done and so well written that it actually worked and made the story that much more interesting for me. So gold out of the gate.
0: I will give gold. I loved it more the second time. The first time, honestly, I was a little like, okay, but I was confused about bits of it. I, I was almost anxious the whole time the first time watching it because I didn't know where it was going to go. And I was like, ah, this could be really bad. So I was like, preemptively anxious but once I saw the ending the first time I was like okay that ending was aces and then when I watched it the second time like I said before there are so many little bits and nuances that they throw in that really tie it all together and kind of once you know how it ends all the stuff leading up to it makes more sense and you're like ah that's why they said that 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 was a throwaway line but it wasn't really so highly recommend watching it two times at least if not
1: all the times gold yeah agreed More gold for me, the visuals on this one. They did not skimp on the budget or the locations or much of anything. They spent a lot of money. It shows. It all looked visually stunning. The Biltmore looked great. The costumes were great. It was all really what it needed to be, I thought. So, gold.
0: Yes. Kind of figure it back on that. I will give a special piece of gold for the costumes specifically. I mean, they looked amazing. Especially the Lucy character. They had her dressed so well and so time appropriate, but also like she looked great in the beginning and present day. But I thought it was funny when they went back in time, all the people were like, What are you wearing? Like it was something we would wear now. Like she had like these really sharp, like velvet pants and a cute little top. And people were like, Ew, no, they didn't fit you right. You need to wear this. Like it was just funny the way they did that. So I will give gold for the costumes. Bravo. <laughs>
1: last for me i thought for a movie that was a tie-in to something that's an institution it was not as heavy-handed as it could have been there could have been Mm -hmm. far many more come visit the biltmore and come see this thing Mm -hmm. this place special and all this it was set at the biltmore and we saw a lot of the biltmore but it wasn't an overly drawn out commercial for the biltmore which i thought was a really nice way to play it it was more about this being a historical institution, a place that's been around a really long time, and a perfect setting for this kind of film. And I thought it was just the right amount of highlight on the Biltmore without it being too much.
0: So oh, greed.
1: Gold across the board. And this was just so pleasing to watch and so... Rewarding that it had so much build up and wound up, I think, Jennifer, being so fantastic. This is, dare I say, one of those that will probably be top on a lot of people's list, not only this year, mm-hmm. but in this entire genre, because it is just, I think, that good.
0: It is above and away. Like, it's in a different tier from a lot of the other movies. This movie is not your average stereotypical Hallmark movie. I say that with love because obviously we love the Hallmark movies. But this movie, like you said, the money they put into it, just everything was so well done, top-notch. A couple little fun tidbits before we wrap up that I saw on the Biltmore's website. Um, they used eight vintage cars, 200 yards of artificial snow. They cast 300 Asheville area locals as extras. Um, they used nine rooms in the Biltmore Um they used, what else, four rooms at the inn on Biltmore Estate and one hourglass. The Biltmore's only mentioned nine times in the film, they say, which is, yeah, like, to your point, it wasn't a big old commercial for it, although it does make me want to go. It was an effective commercial, more
1: soil. We got a QR and code they, one time, one QR code Right. the whole time. That was it.
0: And, yeah. And they filmed all of this in 15 days. Yeah. <laughs> It's just incredible. I know they usually have these fast-paced schedules for these movies, but I thought this one would have taken more time, 15 days for all of this. My gosh. Incredible.
1: And that, friends, is another episode of Do You Watch What I Watch?
0: Special thanks, as always, to Nick Schwarz for our theme song and to you for listening or watching.
1: Hey, if you like our podcast, be sure to subscribe, like, and tell a friend. We're also on all of the social media channels you are, so be sure to give us a follow and interact with us. You can find links to everything on our website at doyouwatchwhatiwatch.com. Hey, next time we've got another fun conversation for you. We're going to be recapping and reviewing 2023's My Norwegian Holiday, and here is the plot summary from IMDb. JJ, grieving the loss of her grandmother and seeking inspiration, stumbles upon an unexpected holiday destiny. Meeting Henrik, a Norwegian from Bergen, their connection deepens when he discovers she has a troll figurine from his hometown. Of course, as you can imagine, we will have much to discuss, and until then, May your
0: days be merry and bright. We'll see you next time.